0: what would it be?
1: So many women go back to work part time, and then they get lumped with doing all these jobs that they don't really want to do, and that actually they could outsource if, you know, society didn't say, you know, that's not an acceptable thing to outsource.
0: Mia and Northrop and Dina Rowe Roberts first met at high school in Melbourne. They studied together at university and remained fast friends through marriages, dynamic corporate careers in London, Dubai, New York and Vancouver, and then even survived the arrival of children. Their combined experience in senior strategy, commercial, digital and customer experience roles did nothing to prevent the onslaught of life admin, which became their passion to solve. Today, Dinah and Mia coach, write, speak and facilitate workshops around life admin and together they host the podcast Life Admin Life Hacks. They recently released a book, of course, called Life Admin Hacks, where Mia and Dinah have marshaled their professional expertise in innovation, finance, design thinking and operations to research best practices, trial the tech and craft that, you know, make the most efficient processes to optimize their own life admin. The result? No more overwhelm, way more spare time, and thousands of dollars saved. Please enjoy this wonderfully practical conversation about a topic many need to shift their perception on. Mia and Dinah, it is awesome to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thanks for having us, Michelle. So if there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? letting go of the idea that you need to do it all yourself. Oh, I love that idea. <laughs> so why is this an area that you're both so passionate about? Well, one of the most controversial topics that we've talked
2: about in our community when talking about life admin is the idea of outsourcing some of those personal and household administrative tasks. It triggers people. It triggers people's money stories. It triggers people's ideas and values about what money is actually for and what it should be spent on. Lots of shoulds come out and, it, you know, you can trigger ideas around guilt about you know, how self-sufficient you should be and what you should be able to take on and handle in your own life. And there's some really irrational decision-making that comes on because we're busy people, we have a lot of things we're trying to do, we have personal lives, we might have families, and you can't do it all. Asking for help is perfectly okay.
0: So where do you think that stems from then? Is that an element where we've grown up that our mothers were efficient, and you know we were told that we needed to kind of do certain things to be a certain way, whether that's a good partner or a good wife or a good mother? Where where do you think that kind of irrationality, as you say, that irrational thinking comes from uh, fundamentally?
1: Well, I do think a lot of it is that history of how you grew up and the you know the values perhaps that your parents had that you know they might be you know, from such a long time ago, from a different era and your, your thoughts around letting go of some of these things and getting help have really, you know, things have moved on and you really need to adjust your thinking for the way you're living your life now and what's important for you and your family and how you want to spend your time and your money.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. How do do you think that people should approach it? Because I think that's the hard thing, right? You know, people listening might be in the absolute thick of this and going, yeah, that's great. That's really easy to say, especially, you know, in the current times when people are in lockdown still with some of their families and, you know, the kids are supposed to be going back to school this week and all those sort of elements. What are some sort of, you know, easy things that people could potentially start with to sort of put these wheels in motion?
2: It's a good question because it is tricky. And in our book, we actually have a decision tree because there are lots of factors to take into account. I think one of them, first and foremost, is actually getting close to your money and understanding how much surplus you have. Like, Where are your expenses going? Where are you spending intentionally? And where are you kind of frittering stuff away? So you can understand, okay, I actually do have some spare money that I could apply to things that I either don't want to do or that I don't know how to do or that I just really, really, really do not want to do. So that's the first step because people can say, oh, that feels expensive and you might decide when you actually look at your income and expenses that I actually can't afford that. It might mean fewer shoes, but I can't afford to, you know, get someone to do the gutters or bake that crazy cake that my child has requested for their birthday.
1: And I think as part of that, you can also think about can I actually work a little bit more at paid work to pay someone to do something I'm not good at? And that's certainly a decision I have made is in the past, I went through stages of working part-time because I you know, needed the time to do the housework and the life admin and all those sorts of things. But logically, it's actually way better for me to work full-time and pay professionals to do those things that I'm not very good at and that I don't want to do. I'd actually much rather be more fulfilled in my employment and I think a lot of women fall into that trap. So many women go back to work part-time and then they get lumped with doing all these jobs that they don't really want to do and that actually they could outsource if, you know, society didn't say, you know, that's not an acceptable thing to
0: outsource. Yeah. So let's dig into that. I mean, you've covered a couple of things there I think are interesting. And Diana, that point at the end, I think is really relevant because I remind my husband of that often where he's like, potentially he's like, I want to do this job or whatever. And I'm like, it's just taking you seven hours to do something that if we got someone in, that's an expert would probably take half an hour. And actually I look at it as a, I always put my time into a money sense, you know, doing consultancy or, you know, high level kind of management jobs. You kind of look around the table and you think, okay, we We've got a meeting here and there's seven executives and people are waffling on like this meeting's costing us thousands of dollars. So, you know, coming from a, a corporate sense, I put that into my daily life and then I go to my husband. Yeah, well, that job, if you were actually doing your normally paid hourly we <laughs> you just spent like, you know, however money, like that's just ridiculous to think of it that way.
2: So there is that sort of financial calculation to do, but there are other opportunity costs. So there's the financial costs, then there's opportunity costs. And this is where you need that self-awareness around your values and your priorities, because the time spent doing whatever that task is might be time taken away from spending time with your children or your partner or learning a hobby or getting fit or
0: all those other priorities in your life. Just being happier in life, right? Yes,
2: exactly. (laughs) So, you know, you might have spent a whole day of the weekend dealing with the gutters or doing some crazy gardening job. And they're the two days, really, that you have to spend with your kids. You're back at school. You don't actually see much. You could have paid someone else to do that during the week. So they're the kinds of calculations recognising that it's not just that financial cost, there's the opportunity cost of what you're giving up to do that, to do that thing.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. And then what about the element of the guilt factor around this? You know, thinking that, oh, am I lazy Is it just that I'm lazy that I don't want to do, you know, to your point, my own kind of gardening or like I don't want to do my housework and I just get a cleaner in? Like, you know, that whole kind of society's expectation, as you sort of touched on, how do we overcome that these days? Usually when people need to outsource things, it
2: comes from the requirement for needing help. It very rarely comes from an I can't be bothered place. It's really my time is stretched. I actually need an extra pair of hands to help out. And in these times, you know, it might be that you're paid work, you might be ill, you might have a new baby, you might be just going through a season of life where there's a lot of activities demanding your time. So I think that that's the first sort of thing to recognise, that it very rarely comes from, I just don't want to. It's rather like, I don't have time and I probably need some help with this. The second thing is it's very easy to fall into that comparison trap and thinking about I should be able to do this, they have time to do this, why can't I do this? But everybody has different priorities. They've got different skills. They've got different resources. Like, do you have a shed that's full of the equipment that you need to do the task? Or would you have to go to Bunnings and actually buy more kit and learn how to do it and watch YouTube videos? You know, so avoiding that comparison of what you should be able to do or should be able to take on. It's tricky, but it's essential because we really are all bring different factors that you won't even know about. People bring different factors to the equation.
0: Mm. I think it's a good point. And I remember seeing a couple of mates that have, you know, multiple children and big company, you know, running big jobs. And and I always used to wonder, I was like, God, I don't have I had stepchildren, but I didn't have young kids. And I'm like, I'm struggling. I don't know how the hell they do it, you know? And and then I find out, oh no, we've got we haven't got one nanny, we've got two nannies. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Like, I just kind of wish I knew to your point about you know that comparison. Cause you know, you start to think, well, how can they keep their shit together and always look amazing and immaculate and I look disheveled and, you know, and I am not even dealing with that sort of stuff. So I think the more we talk about this and share, you know, the way that we are getting help and that I guess normalizing it, right. It's got to be better for everyone. And
1: I think it comes back to that whole thing of People don't want to feel privileged or, you know, that kind of thing. And there isn't any shame in that. You know, if if you've got the resources and you decide to allocate your resources in that way, because that's what works for you, your season of life, your family, your values, then Go for it. You know, everyone's different, as we said before.
0: Yeah, and it's one thing having a comparison from your mates, but what about like your in-laws (laughs) and things like, or your mother? (laughs) What's your take on that? Because often, you know, mates have talked about that. You know, their mother-in-laws have had a very strong opinion about them having a nanny or having a cleaner, and you know, and they find it really struggling. Like, you know, they find that really hard to deal with because they're judged all the time. (laughs) What's your advice there? I'm laughing because my mum said the
2: other day that she gets her sheets ironed. I admit I was like, you what? I barely iron anything at the best of times, let alone my sheets that no one's going to see. But she's decided that's important for her. She wants crisp sheets. She doesn't want to iron them. She's paying someone to iron them. And part of me was horrified. And then about three seconds later, I was like, oh, good on you. If that's what you want to spend your money on, more power to you, mum. And I'm thinking, my inheritance is being spent on freaking sheets. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know so much judgment in that, you know, that little dialogue that went through my head. It's your money. You can spend it on what you want.
1: Yeah, but I can definitely relate, Michelle. And, you know, I think for a very long time, my mum gave me such a hard time that I wouldn't iron my husband's shirts. And I know it's just seems ridiculous to, you know, now to even have that conversation. And for her, it's the history of how she was brought up and what she did and how much she worked and how they divided household labour in a different time, in a completely different situation. And so I've had the chance to kind of take her through the journey and say, you know, this is how it is in our family and these are how we divide things up. And actually, she's now come on the journey and it's taken her a while to really recognise that things have changed and that I am not going to be the sort of wife and mother that she was and we live in a completely different era and it's, it's about taking the time to, you know, take these older generation often on that journey and, and let them understand why it is that you've changed things up. And often they will get there, but you can't expect them to just recognise it immediately because that's not how they lived their lives. And so it does take some time and understanding, you know, and if you if you need to, to explain it to them, to make it feel better and otherwise I think just avoid the conversation it's the other tip I would have because, you know, often no good can come from it and just, you know, live the life you want live.
2: But this is a very gendered area, very gendered. If you think about the the kinds of tasks around the household that are often outsourced, they're traditionally male tasks. It's the gutter cleaning, the pool maintenance, it's things around the home where if we get a, you know, a specialist to come in, a, handy, a handyman, handy person to come in and fix it, you know, people don't really blink an eyelid about that kind of stuff. But for traditional female tasks like if you had someone if you were paying you know going getting bulk meals cooked or getting a birthday cake made or getting someone to do organized photos or whatever it might be that's traditionally been a more female task that's when the eyebrows start getting raised and I think that sort of reflects how women value their time and to Dinah's point sort of those traditional roles in the household of what you should be taking care of.
0: Yeah but I challenge that Mia it's not just how women value our time it's how men and society values women's time and housework and stuff as well, right? And it's been, you know, the debate forever is around like it's one of the most important jobs is to keep the house in order and to rear our children. And I mean, it's such a frustration for everyone. And um, I think, you know, we we would continue to battle that. But I do want to touch on um, the element, you know, we're talking about and you sort of talked about that then Dinah around how to take your mother-in-law through the process that things are different and how you share the load. I think that's a really interesting point. And how did you get there? Cause that's quite challenging for a lot of people, even though, and I saw it a lot through COVID as well, and still, I guess, happening with homeschooling that a lot of my mates that both the male and female have, you know, huge jobs. They're both, you know, big senior executives and they might have a couple of kids at home, but all the homeschooling invariably fell on my girlfriends. You know, they were like not coping with it and still having to do their jobs as well as the homeschooling. And the males were like, yeah, well, you know, you can do it better. I can't cope with it. So I'll just leave it to you. And I was like, no, how are we letting this happen? So what's your kind of take on that stuff? And how do we do this better?
1: Yeah, well, it's been a big journey for me personally, and it's really The main reason this whole project, our whole life admin hacks and our podcast and our book came about was because I was doing everything, you know, and before we had kids, it was kind of okay, you know, I'm probably naturally a little bit more organized than my husband. And so I was over-functioning in our relationship. You know, Mia's got this book that she loves, this Harriet Lerner book about the dance of anger, where she talks about overfunctioning and underfunctioning in relationships. And when it came to all of that, life admin in our household, I just overfunctioned. So I just stepped in, took charge, took control. And my husband quite happily kind of stepped back, underfunctioned, and just let it all sort of happen for him. And then, you know, you have two children, you try and go back to work and you try and do it all. And, you know, I got to burnout. I just couldn't handle it all. It was just too much. The mental load of not only all the life admin we had before we had kids, but you add all of that life admin of two children, you know, it's out of control. And so one of the big realisations I had to have was You know, yes, I had to set up the system so that we could better share the load. So my husband and I really needed to invest in these foundational life admin systems like a shared digital calendar, a shared email address, sharing passwords, all those things so that we could share the information. But I also had to learn to not rescue him anymore and to say, you know what, we've divided things up. We have our weekly meeting where we're agreeing who's doing what. And if he doesn't do it, I just have to let the natural consequences play out. And that's really hard for someone like me who's super conscientious. And I have to let it happen that if he's in charge of making the kids lunches or filling in the excursion permission slip and he doesn't do it, that the kids don't get to go on that school excursion and they have to sit at school. And you have to let some of those things happen so that the natural consequences play out because otherwise, you know, things will never change.
2: I do love those Harriet Lerner books. She's got the dance of anger, the dance of connection. If there are entrenched patterns in your relationship where this kind of thing happens, she provides really great exercises to help you remap those dances, reset those patterns, and and having really strong boundaries, as Diana's saying. Like you set that boundary and you maintain it. You you don't rush in there. You don't play into that old dynamic. But you say, okay, this this is the problem. This is a solution this is as far as i'm willing to contribute and the other person has to fill that void and it can be hard to watch it can be hard to sit back and let go
0: i think it's a really good point and the failure point as well that you just talked about about you know the kids sitting there the devastation that dad stuffed up like it's actually a good lesson for them all to learn A question I've got is if people in the thick of this, how do they kind of crawl their way out? Because if you've been in a marriage for 20 years and you've always done stuff, like you're not going to be able to change overnight because neither's going to cope with that. Like, what's your advice to get people to kind of do the steps to say, you know, and maybe there's something, is it something that's really pisses you off, like massively that you have to start with? Or is it just suggest starting with the little things or how do you navigate that?
1: I'm going to give you a few things. Maybe you will probably chip in as well. So the first thing is you have to talk to one another a lot. And I recommend scheduling a regular time every week where you're going to talk about some of this stuff. And it's a time when you're feeling calm and you pair it with something enjoyable. So for me, it's a Sunday night. And depending on how the weekend's rolled, it's either a glass of wine or a cup of herbal tea. And we sit down and we talk and we, you know, tackle things methodically. So that's, I guess, the first thing. You've got to also think about it as a change management journey. Like you might have had this epiphany that things need to change, but that doesn't mean your partner has. So I guess think about it just as you would in any other change management journey. You need to give them the awareness of why, you know, there's a problem. You need to give them the desire to want to change And then you actually need to, you know, talk about how you're going to change. What are the tools you're going to use? Uh, And in our book, we set out what we call the five foundational tools for life admin. And those tools are all set up to make sharing much easier. And then you've just got got to reinforce it. And I guess that comes back to what we talked about before is you've got to let it roll, set the boundaries and just let it play out and let them fail because
0: otherwise things will never change. Great tips there. So uh, I think that you know people just sitting there navigating some of those elements. I think it'd be fun to actually hear some of the stories of <laughs> what happens.
2: They are uncomfortable conversations. I, I know a lot of my girlfriends when they start having these conversations, there's from their partner the, the stories about why I can't be more involved is because they might have a job where they earn way more money, and so it's they need to spend time on that, and it doesn't make financial sense for them to spend time on household things because you know there's. They seem to think that there's direct financial impact. And that can be, you know, an awkward conversation if one of you's not earning the same, if not that parity, or one of you's working part-time, that idea that the other person who's not working in full employment should just do everything, which is, you know, there's the time management aspect of it, but there's also just contributing to the household and not having one person do all the drudgery. Like, it's just not fun, you know, that needs to be shared. So there's a financial aspect of that conversation, but also the, you know, do you want me to be happy part of the conversation? Do you want to be contributing to the household? Do you want to be more than just, you know, the paycheck? You, there's other things that you can give to this family or this household beyond that financial input. So
0: Yeah, and I think taking on a bit of um, my philosophy in life of Wabi Sabi, that whole imperfection, because, you know, if you do like things done a certain way, and I think that's part of the conversation often is, you know, with mates. They're like, it's just easier to do it myself. It's just not worth the fight. I've been fighting with the three kids to do something. And so I'm not going to fight with the husband as well to, you know, do the dishes or do this, whatever they are like. I'll just do it myself. But, you know, things aren't going to change. Right. And your life's not going to be happier. And so, yeah, you've got to have those tough conversations to just say. So fantastic.
1: Yeah and I think that's where you do need to let go of of some of those standards and I guess that's where um, you've got to do the work on yourself um, and trying to understand why you set the standard like that and certainly I know coming to kids birthday parties was a thing for me like I really felt like my husband couldn't do it to the standard that was socially appropriate you know and I just like why do I, I had to have that realization like why do I care like I don't You know, why do I care that I might be judged by other parents for not providing the right quality of experience and lolly bag? And, you know, it's something that was really easy for my husband to take charge of. And he organized a couple of parties in the last year, uh, in the last couple of years, and definitely not how I would have done it. But it's just about letting it go and saying, the kids had a great time. Why do I care? Like, It has been a journey for me to get to that, you know, what's the minimum acceptable standard? The kids have to be safe. Uh, They have to have a reasonably good time. And if that happens yay, that's all we need to worry about. And the rest of it, I just got to
0: let it go. I think it's the same when people go, you know, they're going away. They might be going on a girls weekend or off with their mates or something. And then they prepare absolutely everything. So they spend the whole week and do all the meals in the freezer and organize all the bags for the swimming and the schools and all the different events. And you're like, well, that never happens in the reverse. Like they just walk out the door. (laughs) So why don't you just walk out the door and see what happens? They might be eating McDonald's for dinner. That's how
2: they want to roll. That's how they want to roll. And that kind of preparation—that's a pet peeve of mine, it really, is Michelle. It's exhausting. It's exhausting having to basically parent your partner. That's what that is. If, if you've already got kids, that's you do not have to parent your partner. You're not mothering your partner. They're adults. They can look after themselves. Make decisions. They're fully functional in terms of being in society. Walk out the door, let them eat McDonald's for three days.
0: Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like so we always forget that they did survive before us and they will survive after us without us. <laughs> or maybe it is that element of working on yourself as you say and stop thinking that you're that important, that the whole family can't survive without you and just get a bit of a reality check in that way maybe and that might help you to sort of make the changes in this regard. It's great. I've got some things that are coming to mind that I'm going to work on today. Just you wait <laughs> Oh, and I think that just one more point that is a bit of a pet peeve of mine too, that women
1: like to get together and bag their husbands. In fact, there's like, you know, greeting cards and, you know, memes and all sorts of things about it. And I just, it really irritates me because we're reinforcing that story, that narrative in society, that that's how it is, like that we rescue them and they're all so hopeless and they don't know how to do it. And we need to hold it all together rather than actually doing the work to share the load more equitably in your household. So, you know, the
0: next time you go to moan, have a think about whether you're talking to the right person. Yeah, really good point. Love it. So Life Admin Hacks, the step-by-step guide to saving time and money, reducing the mental load and streamlining your life. How did you get here? How did the two of you come together and create a book like this that is an amazing Bible for people to get their shit together? I love it.
2: Well, speaking of girls' weekends where women get together and complain about stuff, that's how this started. We had a girls' weekend away with some old high school friends and we're talking about life, You know, the wine's out, we're eating the cheese and we started talking about life admin and all four of us have different setups, we were, had different age kids. One of us didn't have kids at that stage, different careers, some of us working full-time, some not at all, some part-time. But across the board, we felt like we were drowning in life admin. And we felt like it wasn't shared and we, someone should have solved this. Where is the book? Where is the course or the app or something? Do we just not know about it? And so Diana and I thought, this is a real problem. We went and looked what was out there. We realized there was nothing. And we thought between us in terms of our professional backgrounds, these are the kinds of problems we solve. We look at problem spaces. We work out, okay, what's the process? What are the tools required? What are the habits or skills? And you, you know, you design a process to do the things and so yeah we thought we'd start with a podcast to force us to do the research we experimented on ourselves we trialed the techniques we did a whole bunch of research across time management productivity habits behavioral psychology and yeah pulled this together solved our own problem made this little bible for ourselves to turn to but really with this awareness that especially for working parents or you know, individuals out there who want to spend less time on this. This is going to be a valuable resource and give them back that headspace, shut down all that monkey mind, the brain chatter, the mental load of, oh my God, there's all this stuff to do and streamline their life give that some household harmony as well because yes as we touched on this can cause friction and tension in households love that
0: bring back the household harmony I think we could all do with that that's wonderful so Dinah if there is one thing out of the book if you had to pick one life admin hack out of all of the suggestions you've given what would be your top tip
1: yeah so in terms of sharing the mental load. The shared digital calendar in our family has been the biggest game changer. So we have a single shared digital calendar. It has all of the logistics for everyone in our house. And as my kids get older, they can also add to it. And what that means is that when I carve out space for me, everyone knows that it's carved out. They can see it. It's got full visibility. Uh, and we schedule all those tasks in that need to be done in our household. So everyone knows what needs to be done and when it needs to Oh,
0: happen. I love that. That sounds fantastic. And Mia, what's your number one Going paperless, like opting out of all paper communication from any organisation
2: that's trying to communicate with you, having that dedicated life admin email address where all that stuff can be sent, and it just helps streamline the filing. It pushes it all into one caddy little area that you can dip into in, in an hour of power each week. So schedule one hour, call it your hour of power, go in and do your life admin in that one little dedicated email address. I
0: love it. There were so many things like that, that I got from your book that just, yeah, great little things that you can just add to your week that would actually make a difference. And it's all those small things that add up and it it makes your life yeah much more enjoyable (laughs) without this sort of stuff. So ladies, it's been an absolute delight to chat to you today. Thank you so much for your insights and interesting points that you've shared with us. It's been um, wonderful. And I wish you all the very best with your book and your podcast and um, look forward to seeing where where this goes to next. Thanks so much for
1: having us on the show today, Michelle.
0: Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour?